MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is the Lombardi Line here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. No Lombardi, no Patrick, though. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in. And our guest host today is one Mike Pritchard, host of Betting Across America. Of course, former NFL wide receiver, Las Vegas legend. I'm excited. We haven't worked together in a while, buddy. What's going on? It's a lot's going on. Early, too. It's great yes. to work with uh, you yeah. again. I was thinking about that the last time we worked together, and it's been a minute. It's been a minute. But, I think, uh, looking forward to it, though. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. If, I can't remember if we've done any VEASAN shows together. I know we have. We did a couple way back in the day of mm-hmm. UNLV football pregame shows together <laughs> right. when I was first breaking onto the scene as a, a, young, uh, a young media member. Those were the days. Those were the days. Good days. Good times. <laughs> a, Good times. For those who don't know, it was in a tent out front of the Sam Boyd Stadium yeah. on a little pop-up table in the heat. with the sun. Oh, yeah. Of course. Absolutely wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Now, we have a lot to get to. Uh, we had Major League Baseball All-Star Game yesterday. Uh, we have a lot of stories to get to, too. We're going to pick your brain on a lot. We have your top 20 wide receiver list that we will get to, uh, too. Really quick, going back to last night, Major League Baseball, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this. But it's worth pointing out a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, you know, a lot of the um, a lot of the thought on the All Star Game yesterday was the total, right? Not so much the side, but the total. Under was a very strong trend in All Star games, and in the first first four innings, looked like this thing was going to go over. It was right. three two game. Uh, looked like maybe we we're going to get a high scoring affair. Ultimately, not the case. Big difference maker, Giancarlo Stanton, two run bomb. Byron ba- uh, Byron Buxton gives him the lead. Which can I just say, Giancarlo Stanton wins MVP. Mm-hmm. I get he tied the game. Buxton gave him the lead. Right. How do you decide that? Hey, man, that's why I don't bet that. That's right? a bet you just stay away from. Exactly. Because it was, was it paid off 13-1, to 1, yep. uh, which was incredible. But too much variance right there for an MVP standpoint. Because uh, uh, when do they grasp the narrative of the MVP? Yeah. Like, it, it could have happened in the back end. And certainly if the National League would have prevailed and won and came back and win, okay, now it's going to go to that side, right? So uh, I stayed away from that wager. Uh, on betting across America, Josh Applebaum, we, we identified the under was such a good play. Uh, so that was solid. Uh, and then the trend of the American League, I mean, a trend is a trend until it ends, right? Oh, the American League on a good run? Sure, yeah. sure. And so, I mean, I, I didn't make that bet, but, you know, you look at the American League 3-2 here in the win. So, um, yeah, Stanton with the MVP, uh, hometown kid, that kind of thing. It's a good story. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what fed into the fact of of him winning that MVP right there. Takes uh, Gonsolin deep in his own yeah. part, too, so that probably helps as well. So Giancarlo Stanton ends one of two, the home run with two dr- runs driven in, of course, ties the game up at two all, and then Buxton, uh, I think back-to-back consecutively, I think it was like 880-something feet worth mm. of dong, so like <laughs> that right. was pretty good uh, between the two of them. But American League prevails, and remember, this decides nothing. It's just an all-star game, yep. so we move on uh, into the regular season. So with that, uh, didn't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I did want to open up the conversation like this. You and I were talking about this off the air. I think football season 
starts today. Okay. Raiders open up training camp. Uh, teams are starting to report as well. Uh, so we're starting to get into this. So I'll pick your brain. Uh, what is this like now, these first few days, as these teams are starting to get ready? The Sun, especially, you know, and look, the Raiders have fancy facilities and all right. that. So it's not like the Sun's really beating down on whatnot. Yeah. But still, uh, these are, as everybody says, the dog days of summer. And now these guys, after some time off, getting ready to strap it on and get ready for a season that's about two months away. Well, you know what, JVT is so different now. Um, and I was asked this question yesterday. I'm asked this question repeatedly about training camp uh, and what it's like. How right? much you hate it, right? Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, you hated it back then because, like, right now, you're probably day two or two a days. Yeah. Uh, and now, I mean, today's football, you're in shorts and you're kicking it. Not allowed to hit as much anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's a picnic out there, really. And so, I mean, with the facilities you just talked about, a lot of guys are happy to be at camp. Uh, when I was playing, camp was – you were miserable. You yeah. were angry. In fact, the whole sacrifice thing about your family and so you say goodbye to mama, and you're like, hey, I, I can't see you for a while because I'm going to change. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to turn into this football player. I'm going to turn into this violent, violent person. Yeah. And you don't want to be around me right. because I got to get there. I got to get that way mentally. Uh, in today's football, you don't have to. So uh, I, I think the whole offseason, you know, guys don't even – they pretty much stay around the facility all year round, which is great. Uh, so I, I think today's football is advanced in terms of – uh, what to expect going into the preseason and also into the regular season. You, you had to deal with injuries mm -hmm. going into the regular season when I played. Now, you know, it's soft tissue uh, at most. It, it should be anyway because you're not hitting as much anymore. Yep, and, well, and we were talking about this as well. For certain teams, uh, what, what do you got? Jags, Raiders in mm -hmm. the, uh, the Hall of Fame Hall game. Hall of Fame game, yep. So we're about what? Tomorrow, uh, two weeks away. away. Yeah. yeah, two weeks away. Uh, two weeks away. Tomorrow will be two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game. Right, so yeah. then those teams too, I mean, you, you get to start early. How much, the, the, the benefit of going into a regular season with an extra preseason game is what? Well, you know, I played in a Hall of Fame game when I was up in Seattle. Dennis Erickson, we played yep. out there, and it was five preseason games, and you know, as a veteran, it's like, okay, I just need two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how do I get through five preseason games? But you, you kind of break it up. I think when I was in Denver, we always traveled. We went to Japan. We went to Barcelona for these exhibition games, uh, which was fun because it would break up the monotony right. of, of training camp. So uh, you look forward to those things, but you, you just want to get through preseason as an older player, uh, unscathed if you can. As a younger player, you're trying to make a team. I mean, you want every opportunity to prove yourself. You're going to get in and practice. You're going to have joint workouts. I, I think, too, uh, one thing as a better uh, that I will rely on more is joint practices more so than yeah. preseason games. Yep. Uh, because really, that's when the coaches are, are coming up with scripts. Uh, they're actually specifically looking to see something uh, in particular, and it's going to be helpful. It's going to be beneficial for them. So uh, I want to get more information from the joint workouts, if I can, more so than the preseason games this year. I would also assume a team like the Raiders, who have a lot of new faces, mm -hmm. both on the sideline and in that actual huddle, uh, getting a Hall of Fame game, right. getting some extra time together, it seems, would be beneficial as you head to the regular season because you're breaking in a lot of new stuff. And, and there's expectations, right, with those new faces. McDaniels yeah. in that offense, Devontae Adams. So you'd assume that the Raiders are at least licking their chops to kind of get back into this, not only after what happened last season and everything, mm -hmm. but the fact that they look like a team with expectations and a lot of new toys on offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the continuity aspect is pretty much gone, I, I think, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you're looking at that situation. So, uh, for instance, you're changing offenses to you. Like Gruden, I, I mean, he was so heavy with, with verbiage with a play call. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be a Spider paragraph. Spider 2 banana, blah, blah, <laughs> sure. blah. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a paragraph more so than just a formation and, you know, emotion uh, throwing in if you need to and uh, and then certainly personnel. But uh, I think Josh McDaniels and, and Derek Carr, they're going to have to uh, make sure they're on the same page in terms of how they want to implement the offense and, and certainly how do they want to verbalize offense in, uh, in the huddle? Do they, does Derek Carr need to know the entire uh, play call from the sideline or does he just need a formation of personnel and then get the play call mm. or because he knows the offense that well? I mean, those are the things I think uh, Derek Carr is going to have to work through. And, and certainly from an offensive standpoint, all offseason, uh, I'm sure they're advanced that way. Uh, but that's, that's the continuity uh, JVT that I kind of focus on when I look at teams that going into the year, uh, is there going to be hiccups uh, along the way in terms of trying to get the play call in or, mm -hmm. or hiccups in along the way in the huddle and communication in the huddle with young guys. And uh, I think Aaron Rodgers going to off season mm -hmm. uh, and not allowing for those hiccups to be in place for the young guys. The young guys are going to understand him fully. 
Uh, if he would have stayed away uh, from the offseason and stayed away from the young guys, I would have a concern. But now that he's worked with these young guys, I think it's going to be smooth sailing for the Packers into training camp. It's just about execution. Uh, so for me, it's those little things like that that I, I want to focus in on in preseason. Yeah, well, and the Packers need it. I mean, think, I think arguably you're the wide receiver guy. And we were talking about this a little bit, which yes. we get to it and expand on with the wide receiver rankings. But uh, arguably one of the weaker wide receiving course, the Green Bay Packers, uh, when you head into this year, which is – Obviously, the offseason stuff makes it more right. fascinating with Aaron Rodgers, and this is what he's happy with at this point right now. There is an arrogance, I think, to it, right? Like, I can make anything work. Uh, but in today's day and age with the NFL, wide receivers, I'm sure you love this, are getting more and more impactful and more mm-hmm. and more important. And that's kind of a big deal, I think, is like the Packers are a team that I think are a little overvalued. Okay. Rodgers brings in something. Their defense is tremendous. I think we kind of forget that because we love Aaron Rodgers. But I, I think in today's day and age, with the way the offenses are being called and how impactful they can be, if you're going to war into a regular season with a bunch of unknowns at wide right. receiver, I think that's kind of a, a big weak link. Totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And here's why. I mean, I think, you know, there's this notion that the quarterback can make the receiver, which mm-hmm. right now is a franchise position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're thinking of money, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a franchise position. I love that. Um, but I, I think that goes to a certain point. Uh, you're limited that way. Aaron Rodgers is going to make these young players better, certainly, uh, but not to the level that you have a Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams allowed you to have matchups in your favor in the month of December and January into the playoffs, right? Uh, But I don't know if that's going to be the case uh, this year for the Packers. So, I think they're going to reinvent themselves. I think um, I like the under from a win total standpoint because I think the Packers are going to tinker. Like, if you're the Packers right now, you're not worried about not making the playoffs. You're going to make the playoffs, but mm. you're worried about getting through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And what do we need to do to make sure we're well-rounded to get through the playoffs into the Super Bowl? Therefore, I think they're going to tinker uh, and maybe sacrifice some wins along the way while you tinker. Or maybe that defense can step up and really help them, which which I agree with you. I, I think the defense is going to be phenomenal, at least on paper right now, uh, for the Green Bay Packers. My hot take is that um, I don't think they're the best offense in the NFC North. Okay. I think Minnesota's. Wow. I, I think Minnesota's <laughs> going to give them a run for their money. Okay. Uh, look, you I mean we know about their wide receiving core. Yes. Uh, Kirk Cousins statistically, humans and I were talking about this yesterday mm-hmm. on the edge. Um, like if I if I remove everything, right? If I just gave you the Minnesota Vikings like statistical profile offensively, right. you'd be like, man, this is, a, this is a really damn good team. And then if I stripped it away and was like, no, it's the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, you'd yeah. be like, ah, okay. But Kirk Cousins put together a really good season in a conservative offense. And I think you're going to see things flip here, and you're going to see a wide-open attack where Cousins has the opportunity to put up a lot of big numbers. I'll give you more. Clint Kubiak called plays last year. That's yeah. Gary's son. Clint was a defensive back back yeah. in our Mountain West days. Yeah. And so he's learning this West Coast offense. Where O'Connor, we called games when he was a, a, a quarterback at SDSU. Uh, you know, he's bringing that wide zone scheme. And that's going to be so beneficial for Kirk Cousins. And, and the fact that uh, Dalvin Cook, too, only had, uh, as a team, they only had 10 rushing offenses, uh, 10 rushing touchdowns as an offense last year. Yep. Uh, so I, I think going into this season, that's going to help out. That's going to increase. Uh, and therefore, this offense is really going to function. I agree with you. I, I think Kirk Cousins could have a spectacular year uh, with that supporting cast that he has right now, too. All right, coming up in 15 minutes, Steve Mackinan is going to join us. We'll highlight some of the stuff in Point Spread Weekly, including some betworthy MLB team tendencies as we head into the second half as we'll call it, of the Major League Baseball season. Very bottom of the hour as well. Uh, we talk about Pritch's wide receiver rankings. We start at the bottom, work our way up. Got to tell you, I think Pritch knows what he's talking about with some of these receivers. On the other side, we dive into a little college football, though. Ohio State looks like a dominant monster in the Big Ten. Is that the case for the minus 230 favorite we discuss here in the Lombardi Line? I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Lombardi Line here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel, Mike Pritchard with you here today. Uh, you know, it's funny. So I'm going to start with this little anecdote. Um, so Santos and I were exchanging text messages yesterday, and Santos sent me a, a YouTube clip. And uh, this YouTube clip was you in a game against the Houston Oilers with a nifty little one-handed catch down the left <laughs> sideline. And you want to know the best part about it? Because you've met my wife before. Mm-hmm. So I watch it. Good highlight. Great catch. We can't show it, obviously. So I show my wife without any context. I'm just like, here, watch this. And she's like, oh, wow, that's incredible. I was like, that's Pritch. She's like, what? Like she was, <laughs> I was like, I'm telling you, like, he was actually pretty good back in the day. So my wife says, congratulations on the catch, Pritch. Well, tell your wife, thank you very much. Uh, long, long time ago. And credit to uh, Santos there for bringing it up, though, because uh, he, he mentioned it to me uh, that it's on YouTube, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to go see it, go to YouTube, right? There you go. Uh, but uh, also highlighted a Dallas Cowboys game. Uh, this is a funny story about that. So it was Sunday night football. We're playing the defending champions yeah. uh, in the Georgia Dome. I have two touchdowns. Darren Woods, all these yeah. guys, right? I mean, uh, and, and doing well against this uh, Cowboys defense on national TV. Yeah. Of course, scored two touchdowns. Spectacular catch, right, for a touchdown. Deion Sanders picks off, uh, I want to say it's Kosar okay. late in the yeah. game and runs it down the sideline. <laughs> Uh, for a touchdown. It was the high step to, to, yeah, yeah, to seal the deal. We're, we're out after the game celebrating, right? And the highlights on SportsCenter was Deion Sanders. Yep. Not, Not me team. and my two touchdowns. <laughs> it was Deion Sanders. Because here I am setting it up, right? I got people around me. I'm about to shine a little bit uh, in Atlanta. Oh, you were, tell, you were gassing it yeah, up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had two touchdowns against the defending champions, yeah. right? And uh, here you go. Uh, SportsCenter leads off with Deion Sanders. So there you go. Star power, I guess. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah, unfair. star power. Absolutely. Now, speaking of star power, great transition. Ohio State mm-hmm. has star power at the top of the Big Ten. And this is where we begin uh, with our college football preview of the Big Ten Conference. Right now, depending on where you look, minus 210, minus 230. BetMGM has Ohio State as a minus 230 favorite to win the Big Ten title game. I will say this, Pritch. uh, I think they are obviously deserve to be odds-on favorites. Yeah. Uh, I think they deserve to be relatively solid odds-on favorites. Minus 230, for me, you're getting into a little bit of the range where it's probably a little overpriced Mm -hmm. and liability may be baked into that as well with the Buckeyes. But I do think that... Represented by the odds, there is a gap between Ohio State this year and the rest of the conference, and I would agree with that. They only have 12 guys coming back. When you're talking about, though, C.J. Stroud leading the way and everything they have at wide receiver, running back of the skill positions, it is very understandable by way. Ryan Day's sixth year here, it looks like this is one of his best teams. Yeah, it really does. Um, it reminds me of when you have it going, and certainly you think about Alabama and how they have it going and how they reload. Uh, yep. And Ohio State... Uh, it's probably the closest school to Alabama that's able to reload to that level 
And, and I'm talking about you replace uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback with another Heisman Trophy candidate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Alabama does that routinely. Uh, it doesn't matter the position. Running back, Heisman Trophy candidate with another Heisman Trophy candidate. Offensive lineman, Outland, Outland Trophy winner with another Outland Trophy winner. But uh, to me, Ohio State is a program that kind of does that. Uh, and it, and uh, ironically, it goes back to my days when we won a national championship. You know, having Darian Hagan yep. is able to recruit Cordell Stewart. You know, having a guy like me, we were able to get Michael Westbrook. You know, having a guy like Eric Bieniemy, we were able to get uh, Rashawn Slam, a Heisman Trophy winner. So uh, that's what Ohio State has. You mentioned C.J. Stroud. I mean, this guy is incredible. Uh, instead of the minus 250 from a Big Ten conference standpoint, you could do that bet if you want. But, I mean, he's plus 200 to win the Heisman. Right. Uh, he's already on that level. In fact, he could be the number one overall pick, depending on what kind of gear he has. Uh, he's that type of uh, caliber of quarterback. And uh, I think Smith and Jigba uh, is better than Olave and Wilson. Yep. And so it not only does Ohio State reload, they get better as, as well another year later. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the, like, the different ways to look at that because you're right. Like, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, like, if you're going out there and you're willing to bet Ohio State, like, they're actually minus 250 to make the playoffs mm -hmm. even, right? The yes on that price or the well over $2 uh, to win the Big Ten championship. If they are doing that, C.J. Stroud is going to have Heisman caliber type season. Right. And that's going to put you in a territory there where, again, I still think like plus 200 on him to win so to do that. That's really short. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something you want to invest in at this point. That number's going to be out there throughout the entire regular season, uh, especially when you look at some of the other candidates that are out there. But still, it, it's crazy how you lose two guys at wide receiver to the first round of the NFL draft, and you just look like you're going to be even better this right. season. And I think, too, like we, I had Steve Mackin on Sundays from a win total standpoint, like projected wins. They they have number one seed in the playoff written all over them. Not to say that they're better than Alabama, mm -hmm. but their path is a little bit easier. They look like I mean, look at their schedule too in terms of the conference. They open up with Notre Dame, but then Arkansas State, Toledo. Their Big Ten conference schedule is Wisconsin at you get Wisconsin at home, mm -hmm. you get Iowa at home, you get Michigan at home, right. and your toughest road spots in conference are Michigan State and Penn State. And while there's some tough road spots there for Ohio State and just in the Big Ten in general. Some of your tougher opponents are at home. It's a manageable road schedule. Like this sets up for them to win. 11 to 12 games. And I think even 11 wins, I mean, given everything on paper, would probably mm -hmm. we would think for them be a disappointing year, but they have a path to about a 12 and 0 or so. They really do. I totally agree with you on that one because the first five home games, right? right. The first five games of the season are home uh, for Ohio state. Uh, and they got the big boy at home too. That's Michigan. Uh, and, and I will tell you, uh, they probably have that game highlighted, underlined, focused mm -hmm. on it. They're, they're practicing on Michigan right now, to yep. be honest with you, because that, that's a revenge spot. And, and if there's revenge spots in sports, it's in college football. Uh, coaches love revenge spots. And, and certainly when you have a highly touted team, a highly talented team, you want to throw in that extra motivation to stay focused. Uh, we want to get to that Michigan game undefeated if we can. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Ohio State has a great chance of running the table this year. So where do you view the rest of this conference? Because you don't want to sell short like Michigan, yeah. of course, last year. Um, when you look at what they did, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, it's a very big success. They come back after a 12-2 and two season, uh, bringing back nine guys along this offense. Right. It's a very big deal. Uh, Cade McNamara at quarterback. It was an offense that, from a, an output standpoint in terms of points per game, yards per play, one of the best statistical outputs, I think, since about six years ago. They mm -hmm. averaged like 40 points per game a few years ago, a few years back. It's not to sell Michigan short, but, and again, you're retooling with really talented guys, but this defense was the backbone of this team. You only bring back four guys. You're real building on that end of the ball. Like to me, that is when you're talking about really good teams, right. you're splitting hairs, but that's one of the hairs you have to split with a team like that. Absolutely. Because when you lose a coordinator like Mike McDonald too, right. and all those great players, you're not reloading. Michigan is not a program that's going to reload to the caliber that they were last year as a playoff team. College football playoff yeah. team. So uh, I think you feel good about their offense uh, from a win total standpoint, not touching uh, the nine and a half, uh, minus 115 over. Yeah. Uh, to be, look, I mean, look at that situation right there. But I, I think Penn State, uh, they fell off, obviously, in the back end of their schedule or middle to the back end. Uh, I, I wonder about their confidence. I wonder about their offensive line situation too. Wisconsin, uh, it's, if you watch Wisconsin football 20 years ago, uh, it hasn't changed. <laughs> right. Yep. It's, it's, they're the epitome of plug and play. Uh, now, can they recruit to the level and still plug and play with better players like they've done over decades? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the jury's still out on that jury's still out on quarterback situation defensively. Uh, maybe that gives them a chance. Purdue and their win total is interesting, though. Seven and a half plus one hundred five the over minus one twenty five the under. I think when you have continuity offensively and explosiveness, too, and that 
part of the Big Ten, that division, mm-hmm. uh, Purdue can make some noise. And then also Michigan State. Uh, I, I know decimated uh, by Kenneth Walker uh, the third. Is it the third or the second? I, I thought it was the third. I'll double it's check the third. For you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably the third. Okay. Uh, so you got to replace him. They got some transfers. One of the guys, uh, Broussard from Colorado, yep. he knows Mel Tucker, but he's not the caliber of Kenny, Kenneth Walker uh, the third. Uh, and then defensively, are they going to prove? He's a defensive-minded coach. If they can get that win total over seven and a half, it's minus 140, though. Well, and they bring back nine guys defensively, right. so that's really going to help. But I, I think there's a lot of people who looked at Michigan State last year and slugged them as, for lack of a better term, fraudulent, right? Like mm-hmm. a team that everything was hitting properly for you. And then now on your offense, which was a big reason why you were so good last year, right? Because their defense was solid, but it was so, like relatively average, good up front against the run, right. uh, but about 25, 26 points per game. But if you're not hitting on all cylinders offensively and you don't have that run game anymore and a Heisman candidate, what does the drop back look like for Michigan State, who a lot of people thought that 11-2 was like, eh, for lack of a better term, kind of lucky? Right, right. Absolutely. I think they benefited mightily from the transfer portal. And uh, going back to Purdue real quick, I mentioned mm-hmm. – I didn't mention this – uh, O'Connell, the quarterback, uh, he's one of the better passers in yeah. uh, in the Big Ten. What, 28 touchdowns? But especially in a Big Ten that lacks dynamic passing attacks right, outside right. of what we're going to see from Ohio State. Like That's something that stands out, I think, among the rest mm-hmm. of the teams in the Big Ten. And then they'll also benefit from the transfer portal, too, yep. with some wide receivers that – that I think could help them out. So that's why I was looking at their win total. It's plus 105 to over uh, seven and a half. If they can control uh, that division, then perhaps you're looking at that that matchup right there for the Big Ten Championship. Yep. And we, of course, we only get 10 minutes on these, but we have to mm-hmm. mention, of course, Wisconsin's up there right. eight and a half, heavily shaded to the over at minus 140. A team that, with the way they play football, easily retools on a year-to-year basis to be one of the better teams mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. And you get an interesting spot in Minnesota, bringing back their old offense coordinator from a few years ago. That was Tanner Morgan's breakout year. What does Minnesota look like with right. their revamped offense and returning personnel there. Nebraska with a, I guess we'll call it solid transfer at quarterback and Scott Frost still mm-hmm. trying to rebuild this thing on uh, the back end of the big 10. They're going to cannibalize on one another, but I think uh, obviously the price puts it out there. This is Ohio state's conference to lose at this point. And uh, there is quite the gap between them and the rest of the programs there. All right. We're going to take our break here on the other side. We get back to baseball. Steve Mackinnon is going to join us on the other side. Take a look at some trends heading into the second half and what we can uh, capitalize on as betters as we look at some of these teams, including some of these red hot teams, right? The Baltimore Orioles all of a sudden are a threat to make it to the postseason. The Mariners are still on a 14 game win streak. Talk about that much more Steve Mackinnon when we return. Summer special is almost done, folks. VEASAN.com slash summer is the spot. Get everything we have to offer from now until the end of July. Only 19 bucks. Hit it up. VEASAN.com slash summer. What do you get? Full VEASAN experience that includes daily best bet emails. Adam Burke's Major League Baseball best bets every single day once the season resumes. NFL preseason coverage and more. VEASAN.com slash summer is the spot. 19 bucks gets you a subscriber through July 31st. And among those offerings, Point Spread Weekly. And what a fitting jumping off point then to bring in Steve Mackinnon, editor of Point Spread Weekly, the man, the myth, the legend behind the pages that you scroll through every single Wednesday. Steve, always good to talk to you, buddy. Uh, although we're in a pretty good run here. I got to talk to you on Sunday. Yeah, it's, uh, I was actually on three shows uh, this weekend and uh, you were one of them. So I've been pretty busy here. Uh, a great conversation before the break. Uh was watching it. Um, you did not touch upon my favorite Big Ten o- season over uh, wager, however, Northwestern. Okay, give it to us. I I think this is a hidden gem here. You look at Northwestern's recent history. Uh, the the two. Uh, let's go back five years, even the three years that they've brought back more than half of their starters. They've won an average of about nine games a season. Mm-hmm. The two two times they've been very inexperienced, they won three games. This year, they're very experienced. They have a win total of three and a half. They won three games last year. Their schedule lays out pretty favorably here. They got Northwest, or they got Nebraska in the opener in, in Dublin. Then they played Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami, Ohio. Oh. If they beat North, or if they beat Nebraska in that opener, they could have four wins by October first. This that, that win prop could be over. And uh, if they are three, even three and one at that time, 
this team has a chance to be very competitive, I believe. Yeah, I like what you're saying there because uh, Mike Hankowitz, who was a former D coordinator, he was our D coordinator when we won a national championship. Uh, and so you have to learn to play without that kind of type of coordinator at defense. And uh, certainly, you know, when he was there, I think they were giving up uh, maybe 17 points a game or something like that. Spectacular season, certainly. Uh, so you have to adjust to that. Maybe this is a year, a year later after his departure, Northwestern is able to d uh, adjust defensively that way. Yeah, I, I would say that that's got to be a contributing factor. They, they spent a lot of time last year and a lot. I think a lot of these teams, uh, when they see that it's not going to be their season, they shoot for next year. And that's the matter of getting players experience, getting getting their next year's players on the field as much as they can. Hey, Steve, really quickly, since we're on this topic, and I know I got to talk to you about this on Sunday, uh, but for the folks who weren't able to catch our conversation or haven't read the piece yet, uh, when we're talking about Ohio State, the gap between them and the rest of this conference, we're looking at prices of minus 230, an implied probability of nearly 70%. Uh, is that apt when you look like a team at Ohio State and how far ahead they are of the conference? Absolutely. I can't even see a position where they're not going to be a double-digit favorite in a game. So uh, you look at us at that in, uh, in itself, and I, I can't see another team, even maybe across the whole country, that's going to score as many points as that team does. All right. Well, we brought you on to talk baseball, so let's move on from there and let's talk a little baseball. Uh, first off, All-Star Game. Are, do you enjoy the All-Star Game? Do you watch it? I got to admit, I didn't watch that much of it last night. <laughs> I actually watched everything from the uh, about the fourth inning on. I missed most of the action, unfortunately, yep. but uh, <laughs> it was it was fun seeing the segment with the uh, with the pitching calls by Cortez and Trevino in in the seventh, I believe that was. That was uh, some some good TV there. Yep. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about some second half stuff, uh, including some tendencies and some trends that we have seen up to this point. I wanted to start in the American League East. It, you know, and we have these up in points per weekly. Obviously, you want to check these things out. Uh, I was astonished by one thing. And that was the New York Yankees at home. Uh, the assumption, of course, the Yankees, they're a public team. They're a heavily power-rated team. It assumes some pretty big prices. Uh, and yet, the returns on New York at home have been absolutely incredible, it seems. Yeah, this team has been uh, – the, the pitching has been absolutely unbelievable. They're, they're allowing just three runs per game in their home games. And, and obviously, everybody knows the Yankee Stadium is pretty, pretty much a hitter-friendly park for the most part. So uh, – it's it's just, they're on an incredible run here at home, 37 and 12. Uh, I'm not going to discount what they've done on the road because they're 27 and 16 and still producing profitable numbers, 1.94 units. But they're 14.8 units at home. That's a pretty big swing. Uh, typically, you're paying real high prices, but they're warranted this season. You know, Steve, uh, I said this repeatedly. I'll say it again. I mean, your work on point spread weekly just makes me a smarter better, certainly. And it makes me not uh, overthink it, which I, I think is a guy who's been betting on sports now for about two years. Uh, sometimes I have a tendency to overthink it. And so when you think about my sport, football, we can change our tendencies. We can change our ways. We can adjust to that. When baseball, uh, I'm factoring in the fact that, okay, how do they change their tendencies? How do they adjust or, or how do they get off of, of what they've already established from a trend standpoint? For instance, Boston, they have not won a series uh, against the division uh, opponents yet. Uh, and it's like, okay, how is that going to change in the second half? Because I just can't see where baseball teams uh, can make those uh, adjustments out there to break those tendencies. Yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting observation, Mike. That if you think about baseball, you, when, you, when you're looking at tendencies, particularly like, it's, let's say, this article I did today, there's a lot of samples in these. This isn't like a, a football season where you're looking at six mm -hmm. games for, for a home or eight games for a home schedule. We're talking 49 games for the Yankees at home, 43 in the road. They, they've been – that's a lot of, of samples you can look for to, to derive things from. Now, you talk about Boston here and – their struggles in the division, it could be that, hey, let's be honest, they're in the toughest division in baseball. They're a little less talented, particularly from a pitching standpoint, than the other teams. So when when you got these rivalries, you got extra motivation, you, you got a little lesser talented team, it kind of all adds up to the fact that maybe Boston's not going to be that competitive in their division games. So how, how do you explain some of these splits when we're talking about teams that have been poor at home and much better on the road? you got a couple in here in the American League that you can walk us through in terms of some of the numbers. I think I can kind of understand Oakland, considering it's just a graveyard out there. Uh, but what do you make <laughs> of some of these other teams, like the White Sox, for example, that you have up on this list? Yeah, the White Sox are a curious case here. And in my other article for this week, the MLB simulation of the second half of the season, I, I really get behind Chicago. Because in my opinion, this – this home thing with the White Sox, maybe sort of a fluke. 
in the first half. They've dealt with a lot of injury troubles. They've had big-time bullpen problems. They've blown a lot of uh, games late. Uh, but uh, it seems to be turning around for them. In their last 10 games of the season, the White Sox were or, or the first half. They were 7-3, and three, come off a big series win against Minnesota. In those 10 games, their bullpen went 28 in the third innings, giving up one run. That's back to basically what we thought they might be at the beginning of the season. Uh, they traded Craig uh, Kimbrell away. The, uh, a couple other situations affected their collective success there. But uh, the, the things they were relying on or hoping to rely on and, uh, coming into the season, they seem to be coming into play now. Yeah, what's interesting too, Steve, is the fact that, okay, you got three divisions. Uh, pretty much uh, uh, you know the outcome, I, I believe. Uh, you can lean on that. And then uh, other divisions uh, up for grabs, wild card two situations out there. Uh, so much great information. Uh, I highly recommend Point Spread Weekly, uh, this edition, because of the information you have in it. Uh, but is there a favorite one? Because there's so many different trends or, or, or tendencies that you've identified. I mean, is there a favorite one that you can highlight for us here in the program? Well, I'm going to actually go on on limb and say that Chicago is my favorite play okay. uh, for the second half of the season. The White Sox, like I said, they're, they seem to be putting it together at the right time here. Now, if you go throughout the other things I've kind of listed here, let's take a team like Colorado. They're, this is similar to every season for them. They play very competitively at home, and they're really bad mm -hmm. on the road. So why fight it? As a better, if you're thinking this all along, uh, uh, maybe you're going to flip a coiner for Colorado. Are they home or on their, are they on the road? Hey, if they're on the road, just fade them. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just it's a money making uh, proposition, and uh, they're typically competitive at home. And you got to look out for the main, the division teams down the road who are playing important games at Colorado. So those are kinds of things you can look for spoiler opportunities. So Steve, I wanted to focus on actually and something up on that graphic that stood out to me. Uh, maybe not so much playing this in the second half, but a, a something that would give us an idea of what the bigger picture might look like here. Milwaukee, uh, 15 to 21 minus 11.5 units versus non-divisional NL opponents. They're 35 and 22 plus 1.7 in all other contests. Would that be an indicator of how we think Milwaukee might match up here against some uh, postseason opponents once we get there? It's it's obviously got to be very troubling if you're uh, someone looking to back the Brewers. Uh, they uh, been have had some trouble with the NL West in particular. They just come out of a series where they lost three out of four to the Giants. Uh, fortunately for the Brewers and the Cardinals, uh, they have two of the two of the three easiest schedules in the league for the remaining part of the season, just because they're playing their NL Central counterparts the rest of the season. So yep. um, I, I think Milwaukee and St. Louis are good bets to to make the postseason. Uh, but uh, once they get there, uh, we could be looking at some trouble. Steve, it's always good to talk to you. We got 50 seconds before we get you out of here. What's going on in Point Spread Weekly this week, which is up today? Oh, God, you know, you think you were in a downtime here, but uh, we got pretty much as much as uh, we usually do. We got great baseball info. Wes Reynolds for, on golf again. You got a, coming off of calling a winner in the British Open, so pretty hot. So a uh, lot of good info. Dave Tooley's back. Uh, looking forward to our college football guide uh, coming out here next week. So a lot of big things happening in, in our digital pub world, so uh, let's get behind it. Steve, good to talk to you, bud. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Got it. Yeah. Point Spread Weekly. Check that out, out every single Wednesday. Steve Mackinden, our editor. Um, and make sure you check out the college football guide. It's one of the best. I think I would say the Mount West is probably the best written conference. All right, we'll come back. We react to Mike Pritchard's wide receiver rankings here on the Lombardi Line. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now. Use bonus code VSIN1000. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. BetMGM's state-of-the-art app offers a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, daily boosted odds specials, and much more. No matter what your favorite sport is, you'll find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Simply download the BetMGM app today. Go to BetMGM.com, enter bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada or New York. You heard it's the Lombardi line here on VCND Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel, Mike Pritchard filling in for the guys today. All right, I'm looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. So you have, of course, unveiled your top 20 wide receiver rankings. Before we get to the actual rankings, uh, I will ask you parameters on how you made this list. Does quarterback play come to effect? Is it just purely wide receiver skill set that you evaluate? How did you set up this list? All the above. Uh, okay. There are prim- parameters uh, for sure. I got to do that. You can't just throw out a list, right? right? Um, but I did break it up. I, there's an elite category, um, and that elite category to me, uh, double-digit touchdowns, uh, averaging at least 12 yards per reception, uh, being that playmaker, uh, that consistent playmaker, uh, and then winning the majority of matchups. Mm-hmm. And watching on tape, you can see that. Uh, and there's six guys that fit that category from an elite standpoint uh, in the league right now. And this is forward-looking, too. This is forward-looking. The bulk of the receivers in the National Football League now, uh, because of 11 personnel, multiple wide yep. receivers, they want to throw the football, all uh, the rule changes. Uh, my parameters, 60 receptions is a must. Uh, you know, that's, that's right there at, you know, maybe a solid number two, probably a solid number two, uh, and a chance to get into that number one category. Uh, at least 12 yards per reception. You, you can't hover around a line of scrimmage and have eight, nine, ten yards per reception. You can't do that. Right. Right. I mean, and, and call yourself uh, uh, one of the top uh, players in the league. And so top 20 to me represents the top players in the league. Uh, and then there's an others category where the offense and the quarterback elevates their play. Okay. Right. And so uh, my ranking uh, is forward looking. And so I did drop some top guys. Uh, because of the quarterback situation, some changes. And then I've upgraded some guys who I think is going to benefit from the quarterback changes that they have. Okay, well, then let's start 20, and we'll work our way up first off. Uh, walk us to the bottom. And I'm just – I would assume, and I don't want to put words in your mouth so you can mm-hmm. tell me, but a guy like Michael Pittman who comes in at number 19, I would assume is a beneficiary or something you're talking about moving right. up because the quarterback situation gets much better for him with Matt Ryan. It, it does. And, and really, he's surprising last year. I watched him in college. I'm thinking, okay, he's a number two guy, mm-hmm. right? He's a bigger body receiver, not that explosive, but yet uh, just a possession type of guy. And that 
illustrates the number two receiver, really, mm-hmm. a lot of times. Uh, but he had 88 receptions, uh, 1,082 yards, 13, uh, 12.3 yards per reception, uh, six touchdowns. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I expect him to have a, a benefit from the upgraded quarterback, Matt Ryan. Uh, if anything, what people need to realize, uh, it, it, you move off of Carson Wentz and you got Frank Reich uh, as now play caller with Matt Ryan, it's like that's Frank Reich. Matt Ryan is Frank Reich mm-hmm. at, 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 at this point of his career, and uh, I, I think he's going to enjoy that. Uh, Carson Wentz, to me, uh, was a struggle. He was. Uh, calling plays uh, for a quarterback like that. I mean, he was hit or miss, right? right. I mean, there are some plays where it, it looked like old Car- Carson Wentz, and then there are others where he's missing guys, he's sailing it, he's throwing it into the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very inconsistent, and for all of the flack that Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan gets, I think he's been the model of consistency right. since that MVP year. Has he been, you know, MVP level? No. Uh, but has he just been kind of this baseline of play when mm-hmm. you look at some of the statistics, all that kind of stuff? I think that's absolutely the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're a play caller and you call a play on first down and you know it's supposed to work. Right. I mean, you set it up, you got the right look, you got the right defense, you're in the right uh, place on the field, and then your quarterback airmails a pass. It's like, okay, now what? Yep. Now, now you're scrambling as a play caller, or you call a play on third down to get the first down, and yet you can't convert. And so as a play caller, you're frustrated at that because you know that concept in that play was supposed to work at that period of time. And, and so I, I think that's frustration that won't be uh, in place for Frank Reich this year as much as it was last year with Carson Wentz. That's why, for me, Pittman was one of those guys that over his receiving total, yep. 1,025 and a half, mm-hmm. I, that, that is one, I think, for a season-long prop I had circled because I think he's a really good candidate for that. Right. He's the number one guy now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what else you got on the list is walking through the highlights. Again, we're going through 11 through 20. Mm-hmm. Number 20, Adam Thielen. Right. Uh, I would assume a guy that maybe has started to take some steps back, especially with the emergence of Justin Jefferson. Correct? Yeah. Well, 10 touchdowns, too. You can't yep. deny that. And mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a force in the red zone. Uh, better running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple wide receivers. K.J. Osborne is another guy who's up and coming, too. But it's all it's all about Justin Jefferson on that offense. But I think Adam Thielen can be lost. Look at his yards, receiving yards total. That's interesting. I mean, he 13 games last year. He had 726 yards, 67 receptions. He averaged 10.8 yards per reception, but he had 10 touchdowns in 13 games. Though. Yeah. And so his receiver prop for touchdowns is seven and a half here on the board. Uh, that, that situation, I think, is going to uh, help him uh, with a better offense and, and the understanding of this offense, certainly uh, with Kirk Cousins. Okay, another guy, Amari Cooper, he's at 15. A lot of people have him higher. Just don't know about Sean Watson, that situation. Uh, he's a great player, though, at the position. Uh, I have McLaurin down uh, a bit from the top 10 situation, 77 receptions last year. Uh, he's at 14. Uh, I, I think, okay, you got Carson Wentz, and, you know, Carson Wentz is at a point where he's going to have to prove himself. Right. This is his last chance as a starter in the National Football League, and, and you're talking about a guy at one point was a franchise guy. I think Allen Robinson rises up the board. Uh, you look at his stops, Jacksonville and Chicago, Losing culture, losing culture, and he got injured too. So 38 receptions, 410 yards, 10.8 yards per reception, one touchdown. Upgraded quarterback, upgraded team, upgraded mm-hmm. culture. I, I think he can blow those numbers out of the water, to be honest with you. 825 and a half as, as a solid number two, perhaps number – he's not a number one because of Cooper Cup – but a solid number two. I mean, he should amass uh, over 825 yards receiving. Well, and especially, I mean, I think one of the week, because everybody keeps talking about the Rams. This is my point, because everybody keeps saying, oh, where's the salary cap and all this stuff? Well, it hurts their depth, right? Mm-hmm. And like wide receiver, that wide receiver room, I think it's a little top heavy. You have Cooper Cup, you have right. Allen Robinson, and then their third best guy is Van Jefferson. Right. And then really nothing after that. And from Van, I like Van Jefferson, but I don't mm-hmm. know if he's a solid number three. You could speak a little bit better to that. But regardless, He's got a good opportunity because there's not a lot of depth there, and Robinson is already a talented guy. I'm right. really interested in something like that because I would agree there is a very good opportunity and some low numbers for him in terms of his props as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about, like, for instance, Hunter Renfro, uh, yeah. who was a number three option because he got Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. Uh, he's got 800 and a half receiving yards, uh, five and a half touchdowns. He's going to win the majority of his matchups because he's going against the third corner. Yeah. Uh, and so you have a caliber player like that going up against a third corner. And that was something I went up against um, when I played because we had Andre Reiser and Michael Haynes. And I'm like, okay, I'm a third option here, and I'm going to win the majority of my matchups. I'm going to catch two touchdowns in primetime against sure. the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're not going to be looking for me. They're not going to game plan against me. And so that's how I look at this list, too. Like, Terry Kill uh, is going to take a step back. I mean, think about the game plans against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can handle Waddle and his 10 yards per catch. Right. But you better have a game plan for Tariq Hill, and, and you don't have a quarterback to caliber of Patrick Mahomes. I think that gets a little bit more difficult for a player like that. That's why he's outside the top ten on my list. I think Hill's fascinating, and only because of that. Like, and 
uh, as we've seen with Tua Tungvaluwa quite a bit, the question marks really start to appear the further downfield you go, mm-hmm. right? Right. And Tyreek Hill, we know, and Tyreek Hill's got the the capability of catching a ball four yards downfield and taking it for seventy. We know that, but mm-hmm. a lot of his plays have been find him downfield and the play breaks down. Patrick Mahomes does a great job of that. What he looks like now that it's Tua Tungvaluwa throwing him the ball, I am fascinated by because he's still talented. Yeah. But I, I have a lot of questions about the dude who's trying to deliver the ball to him. I looked at that, too, for Kansas City. And I don't know if this is surprising or not, but Travis Kelsey uh, was the leader on that team yards after the catch. Yeah. More so than Terry Kill. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. You I, would think it would yeah. be the other way around. But yards after the catch are, are uh, certainly favored Travis Kelsey more so than Terry Kill. But Terry Kill is that explosive player. But uh, it worked because of the quarterback who was kind of used to that. Mm-hmm. He, he's used to that air raid element. Uh, of an offense, oh, I, I can escape the pocket, and then we could scramble. We'll have the scramble drill that we work on, and all of a sudden I'll find a cheetah because nobody can can run with them. Yeah, really good. I, I, that's why I think the Dolphins as a whole, as we kind of focus on them, from a roster standpoint, mm-hmm. they're really, really intriguing, and I think probably one of the more talented teams in the National Football League. Right. But it goes back to Philly, too. They, I think Philly and Miami mirror one another in that the rosters from top to bottom you're really intrigued by. Mm-hmm. But what are Jalen Hurts and what are Tua Tungavailoa? I would say I have a little bit more confidence in what Jalen Hurts becomes than Tua because we have a larger sample size right. than Tua. Uh, but it hinges on one guy for yeah. both of these teams. It's really crazy to think about because Tua took Jalen's job. Mm-hmm. But Jalen was still that caliber of quarterback. Goes OU and is now uh, I think he has his team ready to make the playoffs and make a run through the playoffs. He yep. had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. Uh, and then he was banged up too. And one of the things uh, I was chuckling at too a little bit, JVT, uh, is the fact when you see these matchups out there on the field kind of reveal themselves, uh, you wonder how they're going to exploit themselves. Sean Payton yeah. comes out and says, there's jobs out there that I'm attracted to. One of them was the Dolphins. Right. They just hired their right. head coach, and he's already lobbying to take that position. Chargers, too. Well, the Chargers, too. Yeah, think about it. But that's the talent yep. that a lot of people see. Uh, I, Mc, Mc, is it McDaniel? Yeah, McDaniel. We'll see what he does with that talent. But uh, I just find that hilarious that Peyton would throw his name in a hat for the Dolphins already. Yep. All right. We'll get back to, of course, 10 through number one in Mike's uh, wide receiver rankings in the second hour. We also have some series. Yes, we don't really refer to them as series, but some divisional series to discuss in the National Football League, the second hour of Lombardi Line. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 